Just a quick reminder, folks, this podcast can now be found just about anywhere podcasts are available, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on our awesome hosting site, Anchor.fm. You can also watch the video version on YouTube at Dirty Decibels Podcast. If you enjoy it, don't forget to like and subscribe, and we'll see you soon with more all-new episodes. Welcome back to another new episode of the Dirty Decibels podcast. My name is Jeff, and Mr. Squally Greenthumb is on the show with us today. Welcome aboard. Hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> Joining us from what looks like a pretty sweet home studio setup you got there. It's not bad. Um, it's definitely the best I've ever had, uh, but it it is pretty fucking janky. Uh <laughs> Like the mic's the best part, definitely. I got like a solid state crap amp that has settings on it, like metal 2000. Um, <laughs> and like I got this MIDI keyboard with the nice little labels on the keys because I still don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Um, but yeah, I love it, man. Everybody's been kind of, uh, you know, like people spending so much time inside and like working on their stuff. It's it's been kind of cool to see different people's setups and like home home studios and stuff like that. Um, do you, so I, I want to like start diving into uh, and talking about your music catalog, but like you just put out your latest release, Teriyaki Ink Machine um, just about just a week ago yep. and it's uh, eight tracks on there. And, but since May, since this past May of 2020, you've pretty much been putting out a record ever like once a month every month yeah the only the only month i took off was december and that was because i was like there's no point in uh in trying to compete with my own compilation that i pushed so hard all throughout december so i was like that that was like my month off right. even though i was still working on music and like pulling together uh, the compilation and everything so but yeah that was kind of my month off You've been doing you've been doing the comps every Christmas season mm -hmm. for the past it was like three years now. This this was the fourth one. This is the fourth one. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. With all of the records that you've been releasing this past year, was it material that you kind of had built up at one like all in uh, at once, or did you record each record and then release it? Um, I I mean, I definitely I did it. Like I recorded everything in order um, and I think I only ended up using two songs that I had written prior to COVID. Um, and then once the world kind of fell apart, I was just like, everybody was talking about, Oh, you know, like after the Black Plague, the Renaissance happened. So like, let's think about all the art that's going to happen after this is over. Right. And for me, I felt like it was more important to uh, kind of catalog my thoughts and feelings throughout all of this. Um, because I just, I, I feel like people weren't focusing on that. People were so much focusing on like, what happens after and, and all that. And I was like, well, you know, right now I'm experiencing all these things. We're all experiencing these things that we've never, maybe never felt before or, you know, never had to be afraid of. And so I felt like cataloging those thoughts and experiences was very important. Um, so I just, every month, the record that I put out was just what I had been thinking about the previous month, basically. Yeah. Have you, did you, are you, do you record it mostly yourself or have you, have you done a, a lot of this yourself or were you working with other people? Um, this was mostly myself. Um, I have a few songs where Aria played bass, um, and I crowdsourced gang vocals a couple times, but mostly it was, it was all me, uh, my 
little setup here, my FL studio and just a lot of YouTube tutorials because <laughs> I'm still learning everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that, and that was another part of it too, was I was like, this is a great opportunity for me to understand the software better, understand uh, all these genres of music that I've loved and always wanted to make, but it never really made sense. Um, I viewed this as an opportunity to just make all that stuff. And in order to do that, I had to study it deeper and get a better understanding. So uh, yeah, it's just been a lot of learning. <laughs> yeah yeah and you, every time i learn something i record it like that's <laughs> that's awesome though i mean that that's yeah. like i've i've yeah i never thought that uh the the pandemic would have uh kick-started like my diving into youtube as much as i have as well like i knew some stuff maybe on the audio side of things but like uh there's just there's just such a wealth of information there that's like free <laughs> and oh, yeah. uh i mean photography stuff has been huge for me like just like teaching myself shit since since it started um and but i think to go back to what you were talking about before like it's really cool to to see somebody that decided to kind of like like you said like catalog the effects of the pandemic musically in real time like because a lot of what like yeah a lot of what people people have like written a song or like released something since the pandemic's happened but it's just been like one thing like one kind of snapshot in time and i think the idea of like following it along as like a a story arc i, I like last week's episode talking with uh with doug mccormick we, there was like um uh a, 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 we were part in the conversation we were talking about sort of like would you look back on your art and be able to say like that was during Corona, like that was during COVID times that I like made that or created it. Like, would you be able to set it apart from other things? And, um, and we were talking about like retrospectively, like looking back on it and it's like, it's just interesting to think about the perspective of like, what if you specifically set out to do that, you know, and yeah. like specifically set out to like leave a record of it and exactly what you were going through at that, at that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's um I mean and it all it all kind of it all kind of started by accident like um back in April I was walking so I I work right outside of Central Square um and I'm an essential employee so I've been working this entire time. Uh so I was walking to, I was smoking a joint walking down the street in Central Square on my way to the dispensary in this fucking wasteland. There was nobody in Central Square. Um, like, I think I saw two homeless people and that was it. It was fucking empty in the middle of the afternoon. Um, and I remember the sky was like, really fucking gray that day and um so i'm smoking a joint on the way to dispensary and i'm listening to fucking doom metal and because it made sense with my surroundings and uh i was thinking about plague doctors and they're like you know they're known for having the mask and the i read up on them and there are two different theories about why they had the flowers and the masks. Some people think it was just to cover the smell of the dead bodies. And other people think that they were like, they thought that it could filter the black plague air through the flowers. And I was like walking down the street, smoking this joint in coronavirus. And I'm like, well, what if the flowers were weed? And then like, <laughs> <laughs> in, I, co I come up with this character Dr. Plague Thumb and he's a plague doctor with a bong at the end of his mask and I hit up my tattoo artist uh, Michelle Dugan and she uh, you know she was out of work uh, because of the thing and I was like I got some extra money I'll pay for her to draw up this guy um, so she draws it up and I post it on Instagram and aria messages me and he's like oh dude sick is that like is that like gonna be album art or something and i was like nah nah and then like two seconds later i'm like i guess i could write an album about dr plague thumb and it's just 
fucking went on from there just like domino effect yeah he's he's on almost all of the all of the, the album art from everything that you've released thus yep. far in, everything, in like in a different I way did in 2020 yeah um and i had a different artist do them every time doug mccormick actually did one of them he did the back to school cover nice i feel like i can remember that time when like it first all started and everything was like fucking empty like it just was like you you go i mean i didn't i didn't spend too much time in the city because uh i was laid off right after you know I didn't have a job. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, but in the beginning, you know, the few times that I did venture out, it was, it was probably, I had, I had that moment of thinking like, this is the closest thing that I might ever experience in my life to what people like during the black plague might've experienced or mm -hmm. like anybody that experienced like a, like a, a massive, uh, you know, collapse of society in one way or the other. Oh yeah. And, um, I, I definitely like the wasteland vibes were were strong in the beginning. Yeah, it was it fucking was terrifying. crazy, dude. It was like it was like twenty eight days later when he leaves the fucking hospital and he's walking through London and it's empty. Like Central Square is never empty, but it was. Yeah, every day for like a month. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I saw this like rad video of um. I forget who it was. Uh, uh, it, it was a, a local local artist. Uh, they used a local band, and she's like just skateboarding through the city. And somebody somebody followed her with a drone, and it's yeah, incredible. That. It's incredible. It's like it was like in April, so it's yeah. like you know the the trees are still bare, and mm -hmm. she's just skateboarding through this like f f cold like bleak wasteland and it's so the fucking scariest thing i've ever seen it because it was real you know yeah it's fucking terrifying and, and it's then like it got scarier when everybody came back <laughs> well yeah for yeah for sure like for a whole different set of reasons too yeah. um you know it's 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 been like the strangest catch 22 because it's like everybody's so affected by this in such a negative way but then at the same time, you have to, you have to understand and like appreciate the art that everybody's been pumping out, you know, because of it oh, yeah. too. So it's like, everybody's getting fucking weird and it's so good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I know like I've spoken because of the amount of output I've had this past year. Um, it's led to a lot of my friends who are also musicians to like reach out to me if like they've been struggling with it or just even to just be like, hey, that's crazy that you've been doing this much. Um, and like I talk to them about like, okay, like, you know, what what is stopping you right now? And a lot of it is a block against getting weird uh people are having a hard time writing music that fits their pre uh their pre-covid brand i guess um you know like we're friends with a lot of punk bands it's hard to write songs about drinking with your friends when you're not drinking with your friends like you know um and it it's something where everybody's kind of had to uh, either take this time off from creating, which is fine uh, because it's a very stressful situation and not everybody is built to create in the middle of it. Or you let this make you really fucking weird. <laughs> and, and I've seen so many people doing it and it's amazing. Uh, like the fucking, the coffin salesman record is out of this world. And you know that never would have happened if, he, like, Arya wasn't trapped in his house this whole goddamn time. <laughs> yeah, man. It's been amazing to see, like, what creative juices have just been flowing through people and just how people have, like, kind of had each other's back through it, too, you know? Part of, part of doing this and, like, resurrecting this podcast has come out of this. And it's almost because I, I like was looking at what everybody was doing and I was like, it's too fucking easy. Like why, why like it's too fucking easy to be able to just like connect with people and chat with them. I mean, it sucks that we can't be in person, but mm -hmm. it's right here and it's free. And it's so easy to do. 
Oh, yeah. um, and there's just so many people that need to talk and like tell their stories. So that's like what I set out to do it. You know, that's the reason why I set out to do it. And, um, and it's just been, it's just been really amazing to like sort of think about things on a deeper level, uh, in terms of people's like creative output throughout this, you know? Oh yeah. The, um, I mean like one of my, one of my first thoughts about making music throughout this was, um, and it didn't, it didn't pan out this way. It was a bit of a pipe dream, but I was like, people are going to be so, uh, you know, like, like starve to like create and put stuff out and not everybody has like the same recording equipment. So like this whole new sound is going to come out of this where like, you know, somebody who's had to record the guitar on their phone, but like the person that's doing vocals has like a studio mic and then like, you know, uh, fucking, like this person's doing it on audacity and this person's doing it on logic. Uh, but every time I tried to create one of those things where people were collaborating from like different shit, they're like, I don't know. I think that would sound just bad. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. It could be really cool, but it probably would have been bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I think, I think it would have, been, I, 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 I think that's an entire, that's a whole other angle to look at it from is like, yeah. Will the, uh, will the technical like, aspect of people collaborating throughout this contribute in its own way to like its own sound you know yeah um you i i dig like the 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 mix of stuff that you do because i feel like your your influences are so like beautifully eclectic um and and like it's it's hip-hop it's got industrial like real industrial rock vibes um and then you'll throw in like kind of a kind of a pop punky emo cover or like you're into it over it cover on this this re latest release which is which is really rad so um i don't know if did, do you can you talk a little bit about your like biggest influences and like kind of like where you come from with most of your your stuff that you write i mean mm. yeah uh so i would say my three biggest influences um just kind of in general but especially uh within the past year um Trent Reznor, Tyler the Creator, and David Lynch. Um not David Lynch's music, I'm not really a fan of it, but just his the the way he works. Um and but you know, musically very much Trent Reznor and Tyler the Creator. Tyler um Tyler is constantly doing shit that people don't expect from him uh and he very much like me uh like put out music as he was learning how music works um and the difference is those records went platinum uh <laughs> mine not so much but it was uh it made me feel when i got into tyler the creator it made me feel more comfortable uh you know releasing what to most people would be practice takes uh to really like show my show myself learning uh new genres and new crafts of music by putting everything out as I do it, uh, you know, I, especially because I don't have the concern of somebody who, you know, I've never made my living off of music. Um, my, the second I started doing anything that wasn't, uh, bitching about ex-girlfriends on an acoustic guitar, I lost half my audience anyway. So it, <laughs> so like <laughs> it made me, feel more comfortable to do that um and then with trent reznor not only i mean like this latest record is 100 a nine inch nails worship album like i did the best i could to recreate moments that i love from like the fragile downward spiral etc um even the name teriyaki ink machine is a play on pretty hate machine like so but 
on top of that, just in general, I always loved um, in, I believe it's the Pretty Hate Machine album art. If you open it up, it says Nine Inch Nails is Trent Reznor. That is everything is what he's doing everything himself yeah um and it's him locking himself in to a fucking room and just sitting there with his thoughts and letting them drive him insane and then he fucking plays a piano <laughs> his about giant it. giant fucking synths that he builds right with like he i've seen some of the pictures like and yeah. like in articles and stuff of his his like uh, circuit building stuff that he does like just to to get all his sounds which is blows my mind and like i have a i do have a bit of a like you were talking before about you know a lot of our a lot of our friends are punk fans and uh and i've always been one of, i've always been one of them who's like got like this little little kind of like bit of a closeted like 90s alt rock fan inside of me um just because that was that was so much of the first music that i connected with like when i was when i was younger um and uh and and like like equal parts proud and and embarrassed about some of it but like but uh i i do have a bit of a soft spot in my heart for nine for nine inch nails like a lot of their stuff and uh I, i just i think it's like it's pretty rad like to uh to see somebody that's been able to like manifest a identity as a as a as an artist the way that he has you know all kind of by himself and um i don't know i i i think the shit's cool when people do like i and i was listening to all, a bunch of the stuff that you've been releasing over the past year you know throughout this week and 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 that was like the number one the first question i wanted to ask you is like did you record it yourself and uh was it something that you like recorded you know 15 songs and then released them in segments or were you doing this like as you were going because just sounds awesome and it's a really cool like unique sound that you've kind of come up with throughout it yeah i mean it it yeah it was it was me recording something new every month um but i did i did kind of in in the process of it like find my sound like there are i use the same fucking piano synth and the same string synth on everything because i just think it fits me um and uh i use usually i'll use the same kind of like drum kit pack uh for each record just to try and make them like a more cohesive thing like okay like i i think my Halloween record, I used nothing but drum samples from Bone Thugs and Harmony. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it just like things like that, like things that unless I mention it on a podcast, nobody will fucking notice. But to me, it's like very much like, okay, this is the record where I use this particular set of things. Let me see what I can do with it. Do you feel like... um do you feel like since since the beginning of the pandemic, like since you first started to do it, that like the the way that you're writing or creating songs has kind of changed? Uh, not necessarily. Um, the only thing that's changed is as f- far as like my process of making the records is uh, since the start of. 2021 i decided that i'm no longer going to force myself to release something on the first of every month uh i'm still making music every month but i'm no longer putting a hard date on it and uh you know deadline and and stressing myself out uh because that was that was the part of it is that wasn't fun (laughs) right and i was like no this needs to stay fun uh but really just Anytime I want to make a song uh, in a certain way or um, just convey a certain thing, I'll usually in the moment as I feel it or just messing around with something, I'll figure out a melody and then I'll make that happen. And then I'll 
I fucking upload the instrumental onto my phone and then I listen to it at work and write lyrics in the fucking walk-in cooler. Or I do it the opposite. I write the lyrics in the walk-in cooler and then I fucking go home and make the music. Uh, but that's that's really it. That's really the entire process. And that hasn't changed. That's kind of always been how I did things. My first uh, my first like acoustic demos that I released back in 2007. Uh, all those songs I wrote on the receipt paper at Panera Bread because I was working at a Panera at the time. And I would just like in between customers, I would just like write the lyrics down. Um, and then the uh and then like you know put the put the letters of the chords like above the lyrics like when you look shit up on ultimate guitar or whatever yeah <laughs> just like i would just do that at work and then like go home and hope it worked and it usually did <laughs> nice yeah i mean like the the uh the lyrics that get they get written at the most sort of like candidly in the in the most like or, uh, organic situations I feel like are, are always the best, like where they get scribbled down on the back of something. And then it's like, just too good not to write it down, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, uh, I was watching, I was, I was watching anime with somebody like over fucking FaceTime. Like we were both watching the same thing and just in the middle of one of the episodes, I just got an idea for a song and she, therefore, because she was FaceTiming with me, got to be one of the few people that sees how I kind of sleepwalk through my lyric writing process. Like with the exception of when I'm at work where I, I my brain understands that at some point I'm going to be interrupted and I kind of have to go take care of that thing before I can go back. Yeah. Uh, if I'm writing lyrics at home or uh, on or on my commute or something, uh, I very much go into this sleepwalker mode where it's the only thing that exists right now. And yeah, I grabbed like, I grabbed like the fucking booklet for my, uh, insurance information or whatever and a sharpie and just like sat there and scribbled and she's sitting there and she's like should i should i pause it are we i'm like Shh. <laughs> so uh it's yeah, like it's it, the stream it, of consciousness man it just like it just has to flow and it flows you know it has to and then <laughs> and i'll get in like i was saying before when i had the hard date of the first of the month each month um and I tried to put at least four songs on each record. Uh, there would be times where the deadline was kind of coming up and I'm like, okay, I have this idea, but I haven't been able to flesh it out. And it would like really stress me out and I'd just be freaking out over it. And then, you know, just one day, the sleepwalker thing kicks in and I do it. And it's like, why do I stress over this? I know I'm going to go insane for fucking 10 minutes and write this all out and figure it out. And then it's done. Uh, <laughs> but when it's not kicking in, there are moments where I'm like, am I tapped out? And like, I don't think I'm ever going to be tapped out. I think I'm always going to have some dumb idea. Like, <laughs> I feel like the the whole like putting deadline on things is is always um, a limiting factor creatively. Like it, it 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 can't. I mean, I suppose on some regards, like yeah, it could be. It can kind of light a fire under your ass and like kind of force you to like get some stuff get some stuff out there and get it done. But like, I mean, like you know, you mentioned before, like the 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 upsides to, to, to not maybe necessarily pursuing music as like a full-time career, but something that you're doing creatively it, the freedom in that and like the Liberty in that of being able to just create when you feel the mo the, the inspiration to create and then like put it out there without some sort of expectations or deadlines. Uh, like they allow it to be what it's supposed to be, you know, and not to mm -hmm. be something that was, created with an intended purpose of like releasing it to people at a certain time at a certain place or whatever. Yeah. The deadline thing was just, uh, because I was 
because I was doing it uh, like every record that I've released since May, with the exception of Teriyaki Ink Machine, uh, was all for charity. And it was a different charity every month. Sometimes the charity would have to switch halfway through the month because of how fucking crazy last year was. Um, but it um, getting it getting it done at the beginning of each month it just you know like because i every record would hit a cap like like i said before i had already lost half my audience when i stopped playing acoustic guitar all the time i lost even more people when i started doing fucking black metal so like uh, <laughs> I don't so, know. You never know. You may have lost some people. You may have gained some people though, too. I, I did definitely gain some people from the black metal. It was pretty cool. It, it really was. It was like, okay, if I release this constantly every month on the first of the month, that is at least going to get the people who continuously support me to get me those first and second day sales. Um, I would usually pick the charity the night before I released it. So it would almost always be going to uh, the most necessary charity in that exact moment. Um, so I was like, okay, got to get these first and second day sales from these people that I know are going to buy my shit first and second day, get that stack up, get it to the people who need it immediately. Um, so that that was that was the purpose of the uh of the deadline and now that things are calming down in a in enough of a sense that there isn't a there isn't as much as large of a need for these charities as there were even just a few months ago it's allowed me to be more lax and be like, yeah, buy this. And uh, here's this thing I care about. I'll give the money to it. Obviously getting kicked off with COVID and then all of the events over the summer. Um, just like the way everybody in the community here has like stepped up and been like, you know, taking advantage of Bandcamp's free Fridays, like released mm -hmm. music, released art, like uh, done live streaming um, and, and everything that everyone's been doing is is like for for a positive result you know everybody's been trying to contribute to charity and and help each other out throughout of this throughout all of this which has just been like the coolest coolest thing to come out of any of it and like the most inspiring thing i think to kind of have observed over this past year yeah it was it was nuts um you know like i through both uh you know the christmas compilations and just like um in the later years of the old edison when we were getting more popular we were getting put on more uh like benefit shows and stuff so you know i'm i'm no stranger to seeing like artists coming together and and you know creating things in the name of charity but it was never um there were never as many uh, people doing it at once, they, uh, you know, because there was no feeling of like, oh, if if I'm doing this, I'm stepping on somebody else's toes. It was just everybody that could come up with something to get people to put money where it is most needed. They were going to do it, whether it was the live streams, records, like you said, um, compilations, uh, just fucking anything. Um, and, and people's eagerness to give was also incredible. Like, like those charity records made more money like pass more money through my band camp than my band camp had seen in the years that I had had a previous, you know, yeah. it was just like, uh, you know, um, and I would do a, I would do a live stream of me just like drinking a beer and playing my guitar. And I would just put a little fucking charity button up top. And like in 45 minutes, it would get like $200. Like that's insane. Like, uh, and it, it, 
insane in a beautiful way that like people were that willing and like yeah i was getting donations for people that weren't even fucking watching me they just saw uh an excuse to give yeah and that's yeah. that was that was the most beautiful part of all of it because like i don't know how many people that bought my charity records even fucking listen to them and i don't care because i was able to express myself i was able to uh pay an out-of-work artist to do the fucking cover and i got money to give uh to charity yeah. and that was what was actually important i feel like also you you were in the position to have kind of an advantage of you're you're kind of the charity king like with the uh the the comps that you do every year for christmas so like i mean speaking of uh speaking of of you know creating music you know putting it together for the purpose of charity i feel like um people are already very tuned into like you and your efforts to do that kind of stuff too which i feel like is a is an advantage um but I, I don't, I, so you've released four, this, this year was the fourth, um, Miracle on Comav compilation, mm -hmm. which, uh, it raises money for an organization that donates video games to, to, uh, terminally ill kids, correct? Yep. So, um, how did you get started with like making those in the first place? Um, <laughs> so i love to hear the origin story behind that this yeah this is this is this is a this is a good one so <laughs> i it was the middle of november i had just started dating a girl whose name made a great christmas pun <laughs> so i wrote a song about her uh about how because it was the holidays and she worked in retail um we had just started dating and we didn't get to see each other a lot so i missed her quite a deal uh so i wrote this song and uh i was like i could put this out um but maybe I'll hit up some of my friends and we'll do like a four-way split. So I hit up uh, Aria, Matt Trainer, and uh, Carrie Ann. And I was like, hey, do you guys want to, you know, either like write your own Christmas song um, and, or do a cover and we'll record, we'll do a four-way split. And they're like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, all right, cool. And like, that'll drum things up a little bit and that'll make it, you know, a, a bigger thing. And, and I love, I, I always had a, I always had a, a, a deep love for like original Christmas songs. So it's like, this'll be cool. And maybe like half a day later, I'm like, this could be bigger and it could be for a good cause because all those, all those original Christmas songs that I know and love, or most of them came from, charity compilations mm -hmm. um like very special christmas uh right, and stuff yep, like that so yep. i'm like i know fucking everybody so i just sat there texting every person i know with a guitar and i'm just like we fucking do something and they're like some of them yeah sure some of them nah fuck that i hate christmas and i'm like you could write a song about hating christmas but whatever we'll <laughs> talk about that next year <laughs> and uh i ended up with I think it was like 17 tracks. Um, I feel like everybody looks forward to it now. It's like this, the, 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 the yearly squally comp is like something everyone's like jonesing for by the time Thanksgiving rolls around, like everyone's stoked on it. And, and that's the thing too. Cause it, cause people were like, this feels weird at first. Um, and then once I did the first one and once it, it, uh, it proved to be a success, um, it drove people to want to do stuff and, and talk about people getting fucking weird. So like people will do some shit on these comps and it blows my mind. And just to, 
I don't know, name one KCUF. So like, <laughs> I was just going to say things have come full circle from you writing a song about that girl to, uh, having a song written, a Christmas song written about you. <laughs> oh God, that, can we not talk? I will cry. <laughs> if we talk about that, but yes, they did write that, but it's also like, there are two KCUFs. There's the one that you hear on their records and it's pretty straightforward punk and roll. And I love it. But then you there's the KCUF that exists on the Miracle on Calm Ave compilations. And they do things like, like writing songs about smoking weed with Santa, uh, wrote a fucking Christmas carol about me that still makes me cry to this day. <laughs> And then last year they did a fucking Trans-Siberian Orchestra fucking Frosty song. Yeah. Like every year they do something weirder and crazier. And I'm like, this is amazing. This is what I love. Y'all should do weird shit. And then, you know, they put out a record and it's their straightforward stuff, which again is beautiful. No hate. I'm just saying those boys can get fucking weird. Let's get them to do it more often. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the thing about something like a comp is that like, it's just its own thing. So it's like, it's just a great, I don't know. It gets everybody stoked on just like a chance specifically to do something that's off, not off the record, but off the uh, off the beaten path. Like, you know, yeah. you, you just like have a chance to like fuck around and do something creative, something different, something interesting, or just cover one of your favorite songs and like do it in your own way. Uh, which is like what Chan and I wound up doing last year. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, like I, I agree with you. I've, I've, I'm can get very burned out very quickly. Most years on any Christmas music at all. And I have a, a lot more appreciation and respect for like original Christmas songs that are not the 17 songs that get played 24 hours a day, seven days a week from, you know, October 31st until the New Year's Eve. Mm. Um, so like original Christmas songs are rad. I think I do think like it's really cool to hear people come up with kind of their own Christmas songs and um, and and see where they go. But uh, but yeah, I feel like the comp is like the perfect thing to get people stoked on because they're they get that creative outlet and then you also get to raise money for like a good cause with it too. And they've been wildly successful like since you <laughs> since you started. Uh, I mean they've they they did take a dip, but it last year it did end up being the most successful thing I had done all year. Um, and again, I mean, I barely do it. He, here's the thing. You call me the charity King and I appreciate that title and I, you can put it on my tombstone, <laughs> but you know, as I said in the story, it, it, all it came down to was reaching out to musicians. I know and asking, yeah. And that's all it is every year. And it's like, people are like, well, fuck, how'd you get Amy Griffin on there? I'm like, because I fucking asked her. All you have to do if you, if this is, and um, it, it was it was really cool watching uh, Josh from Hobo Chili kind of realize this himself this past year. Because uh, like I was talking with him the entire time, because when he first uh, decided he wanted to put together that compilation to help the Midway, um, I was one of the first people that said I would hop on. So we we're talking and I was like in like all the group chats the whole time. And he's just like, wow, it's crazy. You just ask people to give you songs and they'll do it. <laughs> <It's> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah. that's, that's really what it is. Uh, I mean, the miracle on calm Ave thing is a little more difficult because I am asking people to write a Christmas song or a holiday song, or even just a wintry song. I always say, right. but, um, and you get you do get the backlash like oh, I fucking hate the holidays. I'm like, cool, write that. Then write about that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like it's it's I think that's what people like about it is nothing's like off limits, you know. Yeah, and like uh and this past year, the thing the thing people were saying was, Well, I'm a little too depressed to write a Christmas song. I'm like, write a depressing one. Everybody else has. I'm like, yeah. let me let me give you my track list right now. It is nothing but despair like <laughs> well and and this year just has to exist on a plane of all of its own like in its own jar you yeah. know because it's like the whole we've all spent the whole year being charitable so you know that's the flip side of it too is it's like naturally by the time christmas rolled around people were 
were burned out just on life, let alone, oh, yeah. you know, already having been charitable and stuff like that too. So you can't expect like, you, you really can't use this year as a, I feel like a fair comparison to all of the other ones. But I mean, in general, from what I've gathered and what I've seen and, and paid attention to, like the, the, the endeavor to do this every year has been pretty successful. And I think that's just really rad no, that people has. have stepped and, up and, so, so well to be involved with it, you know? Yeah. And, 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 make no mistake this this year it it made a whole lot of fucking money i did a <laughs> it made when it hit 617 dollars i decided to do a live stream of myself doing 617 dumbbell curls to <laughs> <laughs> nice. to celebrate it because that was like that was like triple the amount it had ever made before. It, it's never been, um, you know, you do see a lot of these compilations running around, uh, like, you know, you'll see these compilations running around with like 30 plus songs on them and they'll make like, they'll make like over a thousand dollars. And that's like, that's never the category that Miracle and Calm have ended up in. It always had, uh, you know, less tracks and less money, but tripled what we would normally make and i was like i gotta celebrate this so i did the fucking dumbbell curls killed myself <laughs> and i think we ended up with like around 800 bucks by the end of it so you know it is so people were still definitely down to be charitable um and the holidays really do bring it out of people uh but also again because of 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 how much time uh people's brains had to like roam this year there was a lot more i think put into it as a whole uh by all the by all the contributors and by myself included because i did the fucking holiday special i totally forgot about that i made a holiday special <laughs> i yeah. forgot about yeah, that Yeah, that's right that's right yeah yeah i haven't watched an episode of the mandalorian or WandaVision. I never watched fucking Tiger King because my ass has been like just doing shit this whole time. I haven't stopped. I think if I stop moving, I'll fucking die. Um, <laughs> like that's 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 the way I came at this whole thing. So uh so yeah, so now it's now I'm stacking the fitness and the music and the working and just uh you know i'll sleep when i'm dead <laughs> well I, f I mean i feel like you could do you could almost do an entire uh an entire episode or maybe even an entire podcast about like the uh the two-sided coin of of like fitness and art and creation because like they both have a lot of the same positive effects i feel like like mental oh, yeah. mental health wise and like and and physical wise like they're both like such powerful natural antidepressants you know it's like i think for something like people to to jump on to donating you know for you doing 617 dumbbell curls um it it's like people were people were kind of on board with that seeing that side of you too you know oh, yeah, uh, yeah. online and 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 just being willing to like just being on the same page as, as you with everything that you're doing, you know, I guess. But, um, no, I mean, I just, I just think it's really rad. Like, uh, I, I don't know anybody in the city who has worked as hard as you have to like be as charitable as you have, like with these comps every year. And like I said, with somebody that I don't know anybody that has released this amount of music in, in a year, you know? Um, so it's, it's awesome. And, uh, and I, 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 I'm, very impressed by, by it it's it's really cool so, i appreciate that man did you um when i i always kind of wanted to ask like you mentioned the creation of the sort of like birth of the of the the plague doctor kind of character as an entity within your music mm -hmm. and i was curious prior to that with your your prior releases where did the uh incarnation of the the weedaboo persona come from that, I, that i'm very curious to know about that so <laughs> weedaboo came about um i had i had a whole bunch of half 
written songs. Um, and I like, I don't like to keep a cluttered, uh, you know, I, I don't like to keep a cluttered backlog. I, I, like I was saying before, I like to release things as I create them, as I'm learning things. Um, but I, I found myself with this backlog and I was just, I was just watching a lot of fucking anime and, uh, which I do, but, uh, at this particular time, I was just like really, really just going hard on it. Um, and I came up with this idea to make a record where, uh, like there a lot of rappers had been starting to reference anime in their songs, mostly just like Dragon Ball, but like, um, or like use anime album art. And I was like, well, what if I made a record that was like an episode of an anime? Um, so I did. And, you know, everything comes back to weed. So I was like, I am this high school kid uh, who is being stalked by this murderous yandere. And I get superpowers from smoking weed from a very specific bong that has been handed down through thousands of generations. Why <laughs> the fuck awesome. not? So I, love it. I get the idea. I fucking, I write the script. I, I hit up this podcast that I listened to a whole bunch and I asked them to do the voices and they were like, sure. And then they were like, Oh, we don't really want to do a weed anime thing. I'm like, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I found some friends, had them read the parts and it just fucking came together. And adding the storyline to the record helped me write the second half of those songs and then write a couple more songs that fit into the thing. Um, but what really set it off was uh, I realized halfway through making that record that I was accidentally writing about when I was stalked by an abusive girlfriend when I was a teenager. So the, immediately after I released it, I was like, well, now... I'm going to work through some of my trauma on purpose. So the second Weedaboo record ended up being about my time in mental hospitals and how I would have handled that if I could smoke weed and have superpowers. <laughs> when you released this, like when you released the second Weedaboo record, uh, like you literally promoted the record with transcripts from like your brushings with the mental health system in the past when you were younger, which is like so fucking brave of you to do. Um, but also like one of the most brilliant ways to promo a record I've ever seen um, that I just, that stuck with me like since, since you did that. Um, and I'm really glad that you, that you mentioned it because I wanted to ask you about that because um, I, I feel like it was, it was just like a really a really incredible way to like work with that subject matter, you know? So that paperwork, uh, normally, uh, a patient, especially a juvenile patient won't have access to their paperwork like that. Um, but at one point when I was in the hospital and DSS system, uh, we were trying to get me into one of the better group homes because it was time for me to transition from hospitals to group homes. Uh, and in order to get me into one of the better group homes, I had to get my former high school to sign off on me needing this, uh, this type of help, this type of therapy. Part of that evaluation was they needed the paperwork from my hospitals. So my mom got the paperwork, gave it to them, whatever. I currently live with my mother and I found in a box of my old stuff, all that paperwork. And I was like, wow. Yeah. This would be a great way to fucking promote this record. Yeah. And 
it was great seeing people's reaction to it because I I did it very cold. I didn't yeah, come out I, and say I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't come out and say, "Hey guys, I'm putting out a record about being in the hospital. Here's some stuff about it." I was just kind of cryptically posting these scans and uh and pictures of me from that era and things like that. So like some people kind of laughed like the first time, like what? And then like when it would get to like the paperwork about me being like restrained and shit, people were like, oh fuck. It, you- it's intense, dude. And like I definitely can attest to the the um incompetence of like mid 1990s or early 2000s Massachusetts public schools knowing how to handle kids like who might not fit into one class or might not work the same as other kids like we all we all can attest to like how shitty like uh the the public school system was at dealing with kind of stuff like that especially back then you know Mm. um personally for me like when it comes to records like i've always been a a bigger fan of like the real like photography as album art or or scans photography like pictures notes like actual real things like that's always mm-hmm. i i've always loved that in 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 its own right of like what it contributes to a record and stuff like that too so um and it's not to discount like it's not to discount visual created art but yeah, yeah. but like i love photography and i love like the realism aspect of incorporating that into a record into like the liner notes or like the 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 album covers or whatever and um and when you released that shit like i was i was blown away i was like wow like that that that's amazing and and not only because it's just super intense but it's also like putting yourself out there in a in a a vulnerable place that a lot of people might not be comfortable doing or or you know releasing out into the world so uh i yeah i mean i I thought it was pretty awesome the thing is is i've always been fairly open about uh my history with like mental health and incarceration and things like that. Um, it's usually something that I even like to get out of the way kind of early on in most friendships, just uh, cause I, I like being very upfront about things uh, like that. So if I am talking to somebody who is going to be all like, Oh, you've been in jail. Like I can't be friends with you. Like let's figure that out ahead of time um yeah so really it for me it was like it it was definitely kind of being open about everything in like one fell swoop there were definitely people in my life at the time who didn't know that aspect of me or maybe had heard me mention it but like had never heard a deep dive um but also it was uh it it was just a reaction to um or not necessarily a reaction but uh maybe maybe just a a thank you uh to how open people are nowadays about like mental health and stuff like that and like um you know uh obviously it's been overused it's been bastardized and it's been mocked to death but the term triggered i first heard in mclean hospital and it was very much like used to describe when somebody does something that brings up the issues that you're working right 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 um and again yes it has been you know, completely bastardized and destroyed and that will happen. But I just remember when that first became a part of uh, everyday vernacular for people, I was like, okay, cool. And like, you know, and so many of my friends are in therapy and like openly talk about it. And yeah, like a few months ago, I just put on Facebook, like, put your disorder on my timeline. And I think it's the most popular post I ever made. It was just hundreds of people commenting. Like I have this, I have this, I have this. And just like, yeah, it, it was, I was very much like, okay, everybody's so open about this shit right now. 
I want to talk about when it, when I went through it and it wasn't okay. Right. Like it was very, there was, uh, we were at the beginning stages of it kind of starting to be okay. Like everybody at school was on some medication or whatever, but it wasn't like, Oh yeah. It wasn't like it is now. I remember I remember the those those days when like it it was e- even into the even into the early 2000s like it still being so stigmatized and so like especially among kids like yeah. that you know it, it it was brutal. And and um and I think like the again the weird positives that have come out of this fucked up year um are are certainly the 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 way that people have been tuning into their own mental health and to other people's mental health and like the coming together of like oh my god almost everybody i know has struggled with one issue or another in in some way like and and the empathy and, and if they didn't before they are now of course you know? absolutely yeah. of course um to, i mean and it's it's come out in like just <laughs> doing this podcast is therapy for me you know what i mean like just getting uh-huh. to talk to people and and catch up with people and like talk about their art and talk about everything that's been going on in their lives and their, their creative process and everything. Um, and, uh, I've, I've, I've really, I've really admired people who are willing to like wear that on their sleeve, like through their music and stuff like that too. And through their art. And like you were saying, like looking back on what if you had had, what if you had had maybe had the tools to smoke weed and have superpowers at that age, but also just like, what if you had had the tools that you have now, like oh, yeah. as an adult, you know, to look back at that shit and, uh, and, 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 you know, be able to process it like as an adult who understands more about the world. And it's super powerful. What comes out of that, <laughs> you know, like that hindsight. Yeah. Um, and that, that definitely was a big part of it too, because, uh, I, I mean, I was like, I did write music, I've been writing music my entire life. Um, So I was writing music when I was in the hospitals and I actually have some of the lyrics in that folder of stuff. Uh, I've toyed with the idea of recording them with my current music knowledge. And I might Um, not only do I have so much of like personal hindsight that I was able to put into that record, but also like one of the medications that I was on in the hospital as a teenager, they discovered years and years later that it shouldn't be given to anybody under the age of 24. Um, but they were very much experimenting with all of these new, uh, with all these new medications with us. I was aware that they were experimenting things, but I wasn't a, I couldn't have been aware at the time that years later they would find out, Hey, that's really fucking damaging to give to a child. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. So that was something I was able to talk about on the record that had I made a record like the day I got out of hospitals, if I had sat there and been like, I have all this music, let me make this record. It wouldn't have uh those important aspects of it like right. understanding what was really going on what was really happening to me yeah so. yeah wow man that's crazy like i'm super blown away by the 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 sheer amount of of creative output that you have uh have released into the world over this past year and and for everybody else who's looking towards art as a piece of therapy in and of itself to consume art, you know, it, it makes a big difference, you know, whether it's the comps or whether it's just being able to put on record and like feel like someone else gets it, you know? Um, and so it, it goes without saying that like everything that you've been releasing is, is definitely has an impact on people and, and, and people like appreciate it so much. Um, so his latest release is teriyaki ink machine out now on his band camp. You can find it weedaboo.bandcamp.com. That's W-E-E-D-A-B-O-O.bandcamp.com. Squally, thank you so much for doing this episode with me. It's been rad to talk to you. Fuck it. This has been awesome. I'm happy I did it. Thank you for (laughs) giving 
us artists a platform to talk about our shit. We love doing that. You know it. <laughs> oh, it's so much fun, man. I, I, I'm having such a great time connecting with people and like, uh, you know, hearing about their, their creative process throughout all this has just been, um, been really awesome. And, uh, Check out everything that he's released this year. It's been about it's been one EP every month since May. There is a ton of material to check out and uh, keep an eye out for what's coming next. <laughs> Nothing. I quit music. I swear this time. <laughs> I fucking swear. Uh, none of us want you to do that. I know. Well, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. And uh, thanks for listening. <laughs>